Hey guys, it's Becky from Keeping Home. It's officially spring and I have an exciting announcement for you. We just released some new resources on the Fruitful and Fearless website. Being a homemaker involves a lot of strategy and planning to help your home run smoothly. I wanted to take some of the guesswork out of it for you by creating a spring cleaning checklist, a fall cleaning checklist, a page for you to plan out daily rhythms in your home, as well as a page for you to plan out your weekly cleaning schedule. And I'm sure you've heard Jordan and I talk about the cleaning cards we created for each room of the home. Each of these resources are now available on the Fruitful and Fearless site individually. We also created a homemaker bundle that contains all of these resources in one download. So head on over to the site and grab one or all of these resources. We hope these are a help and a blessing to you and your home. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hello and welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jared and I are here this afternoon sitting in our house and we thought it would be a good time to record an episode. This is one that has been brewing in my mind for a little while based on a few different conversations, a tweet that I saw, a bunch of different stuff. But Jared and I just got home from the Great Homeschool Convention. We go, is this our third year? I think so. Third, Third year or so. We go to the one in Missouri and we love it. It's a lot of fun. It's so fun. It was very fun in 2020 because every <laughs> it was the year that they were trying to tell everyone to wear masks, and I feel like they thought, oh, a homeschool convention, this group will be really nice and Bunch sweet and compliant, and everyone was like, no, we will not. This yeah. is constitutionally Over. wrong. Over our dead body was the posture of almost everyone. In fact, Shana got kicked out, escorted out. Yeah, a girl from our church got escorted out for With her daughter, with her teenage daughter, walked out with a police officer. Yeah, it was so, it was just very funny because it's like all these very sweet, kind families who were respectfully refusing to um, wear masks. So 2020 was a good year for the Great Homeschool Convention. But this year we had a really good time. We saw, um, let's see, what was your favorite? It may have been the session where the lady was talking about books for girls. Yeah. It was really good. We love hearing anyone talk about books that are good for And we had that conversation with her in the lobby kids. in the area where everybody was selling things, and she had all her books set up, and she was reselling used books that she's reselling, and she just had a wealth of knowledge, and it was a lot of fun. We started yeah. talking about bookshelves. And yeah. the bookshelves... For decades, she, she's been selling used books, and um, so we were common threads in a love for neat. books, and it yeah. was a really fun conversation. I think my favorite session was Sarah McKenzie talking about homeschooling with babies and toddlers. And the whole, there was some practical stuff in the session, but the whole thing summed up in the fact that your children growing up with siblings is far more beneficial than to just content download Mm -hmm. in homeschooling. So they could know like every fact of the periodic table, know everything there is to know about chemistry all this stuff, but but do they know how to handle distraction? Do they know how to care for and love someone else more than themselves? Right. Like all these valuable things that they learn from having babies around, from having toddlers around, um, that it's far more beneficial. Those sweet moments with their siblings are far more beneficial than like a perfect setting for content download. And I didn't actually get to sit in on that, but yeah, just hearing you sweet. talk about it. I teared up was multiple cool. times. I really loved it and was encouraged by it. So if you 
I think that they have all those don't downloaded through like I think Rhino. You, I do think you have to purchase them though. Okay, so anyways, if you have a chance to go to the Great Homeschool Convention, we are big fans of it. They have conferences throughout the United States, so I'd say there's check that out. I mean, a massive amount of people there. Probably five thousand people, I would say. Which is also just really encouraging to see all these other families doing something similar to what you're doing. Yeah, so. it's very cool. We got. Uh, I want to talk about the really cool resource that we got for family worship. Oh yeah. Because many people have been reaching out and asking what yes. we use. Yes, and... you guys want to know about family worship resources. And we are going to do an episode about that. But I mean, one that we'll tell you about that we got recently. Well, we don't have a lot of experience with it because it's brand new, but we're pretty excited about it. And we do have several different story Bibles that we've read through over the years. And since our children are young, you know, your family worship stuff is going to be primarily with family. It's, it's just story Bibles, a lot of story Bibles. As they grow older... That's going to change a little bit when your children are young. That's primarily what you're doing is, is you're trying to help them understand the stories of the scriptures and get familiar with, you know, the ways that God works within his people and the world and Themes all of that. Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we will go through those. I think they're really good resources. Uh, Marty, I forget his last name, Marchowski or whatever. He's with Sovereign Grace. He wrote the book Theology, which is uh, basically theology. The, I'll play on theology is a systematic theology for children. It's wonderful. It's a really good book. He's put together a lot of other resources as well. And this particular resource is a walk through the Old and New Testament, and you have a story Bible that goes with it. It lays out the story on a Sunday, and then throughout the week, you have your Old Testament book and your New Testament book. And what you're doing over a year and a half is going through the entire Bible. What I like about this is that it gives questions both in the story Bible that you're reading on Sunday, and then throughout the week, from Monday through, I think there's Saturdays off. I think Monday yeah. through Friday, you have a, about a 10-minute study in its totality, and then you add a song on the end of it, and then a catechism question if you'd like to get through that, or if you'd like to do that if you're not doing that in your homeschool curriculum. And then you have the questions that are already there for you. You can just go through the questions, and it's interactive. You go out, and you pick a leaf off of a tree, and th- this is the first lesson. You pick a, le- a leaf off the tree, and you talk about God creating all things, and he creates this leaf, and like how complex this is, and, and how glorious God is that he can create this without any other thing to go into it. He just creates it through speech. And so the whole resource seems to be really user-friendly and really accessible for, you know, guys that are wanting to, you know, think through how can I lead family worship? Well, this is a really simple system. And I think it's a new growth press publishes that, but it's Marty. Uh, just look up, uh, I think it's the Gospel Story Bible. I forget exactly what it is. <laughs> it's titled. Like, uh, the, the two smaller ones are like long story short, yeah. old story new. Those are the, the study books that go along with the story bible and then there's also um two coloring books that go along so on sundays whenever we read the storybook page we also give them the coloring sheet that goes with it our kids love yeah our kids are we can actually like artsy things and and i will actually put this in the show notes so that's exactly what i'll do for this episode i always try to do show notes and then i forget what resources we talk about if we don't message me and i'll send you a picture i I will i'll remember this I'll, i'll remember it and put it there but then the other ones that banner truth's got a great uh, story Bible. There's the big picture story Bible. That's a really good one. And, you know, just going through the scriptures also is really helpful and trying to take, uh, you know, even building family worship out from your catechism questions can be really an easy way to do family worship as well. So we'll get into that in another episode, but really even what we're talking about today about homeschooling. Oh, I guess you should go ahead and introduce no, no, it. Please. Well, one of the things we're wanting to talk about is in some ways a response to Jen Wilkin 
really it's kind of a launching point. It's the diving board into this discussion from the recent Gospel Coalition Good Faith debate when she was talking about public school and the, and the conversation back and forth. I actually did an episode on this. If you want to find that on the Shepherd's Crook, you can find that. But one of the things that she had said that got us thinking, that got you thinking about why it would be helpful to do an episode on this was when she was talking about the privilege of school choice. As if Christians are the only ones, or, or those who have money are the only ones, uh, in any sort of uh, amounts of money, are the only ones that have a decision to make when it comes to school. And her argument is that a majority of people in this country don't have a choice. They just have to send their kids to, to a public school. And I've to, also seen this thought when it comes to stay-at-home mom. Right. To like be a stay-at-home mom is this extraordinary privilege that only a few Christians actually get to do. Right. That it isn't really obedience for all or isn't something that women should prioritize. But it's like this very minute group who have a lot of money and their husband doesn't really need them to work, so you get ju- you can be a stay-at-home mom. It's, right. You're very privileged. And the same with homeschooling is kind of what Jen Wilkin was saying, or like um, private Christian school, that that's like a very elite group that's rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we want to do is debunk that and talk about what God's done in our life and the decisions that he's led us into that have made it not, I mean, a real possibility, not just for us, but for you or anyone who sees this as a priority. We've talked a lot about Ephesians chapter 6, the mandate of Christian education given to the fathers, and then consequently given to the one flesh, helper, his wife. This is in our hands, and we've got to build our life around being obedient to the Lord. So that the starting point can't be who is going to educate our children because we're not going to. The starting point is we are going to, or we're going to delegate that to our wife or a Christian school, but the Christian element of education is non-optional. Therefore, we're going to have to make decisions that reveal our priorities. Over the years, we've been able to do that. We've never had a lot of money. So we have some practical things that we can share that we think you can do to make your life and structure your life in such a way where you could actually do this. Jen Wilkin, I think, is missing the ball completely on this. And it's just real simple. If you want to make this happen, if you want to obey in this area of Christian education for your children, then you can do it. And it's, in fact, you, you have to do it because God's commanded it. I did an episode with Lexi very early on about finances. So if you want to hear more in depth about our story um, with finances, I share a lot in that one. I think it was probably just called Finances, and it was very early on. So scroll back. Yeah. (laughs) We've got more stories since then of God's provision and all that he's done. But, yeah, if you want to hear a lot more about our backstory and how God has just miraculously provided and been very, very generous with us over and over and over again, you can look up that episode. Okay, can we talk real quick before people get into having children and then getting in a situation where the schooling options are so limited because of the stage of life that you're in, the, the situation you put yourself in? There are things that lead, lead up to that yeah. that people can, can do. Get married, work, and wife make it a priority from the beginning to see that house as the primary and everything else as secondary. Okay, okay yeah. So, okay, all that. so you have to base your life your life choices around what you think God wants you to do. Like you or were kind you, of setting what up. you know God wants you to do, really. Yeah, well, yeah, like the biblical principles of what this is what the scripture teaches of what I should do with my life. Mm-hmm. So my decisions that I make are going to be based on what God wants me to do, yeah. based on obedience to God. Well, even like that has to do with degrees, going to school. Mm-hmm. If a woman gets a degree and she's going to have this draw from the very beginning of graduating school of I've got to pay off the student loans, I've got to make something of my life and and walk into this field and work hard and do that kind of thing. That's this unnecessary pressure that's laid upon the woman that's not God-given. That's exterior 
things that are pressuring her in that particular direction. Mm -hmm. Which is why I, and people have different opinions on this, but I often counsel younger women to not go to college unless you can go on scholarship or unless your parents can pay for it because it does make it harder after you have kids to be obedient and to say, okay, I know that I have all this student debt, but I want to stay home with my children. I feel like that's what God is calling me to do. So I'm sorry I have student debt, but I'm going to stay home. That's a, that's a harder sell than I'm coming into this with a bit of savings to offer to our family. And I want to stay with, I want to have children. I want to stay at home with them. I want to homeschool them. I want to raise them the way that God wants me to. That's a lot easier of a decision to make than I have $100,000 in student debt and a degree that I probably won't be using right. at least for the next 20 years. And young ladies who are listening in, a godly young man who is has been raised in the ways of the Lord, he's going to want a young woman who takes Titus II very seriously and is learning from the mm-hmm. older ladies in her life, both her mother, grandmother, the ladies in the church. He's going to much rather want a lady that's a godly young woman more than a girl who's gone off and has learned all the ways of Karl Marx and all the ways of yeah, and, uh, and that doesn't mean that we don't educate we don't value education for daughters. Like I very not. much yeah. want right. our daughter to be educated and love learning and learn for the rest of her life and Correct. learn how to do things, learn how to be the very best woman that that you can be that God wants you to be and have lots of skills and know how to help the people around her in a really well educated way. I want that for my daughter, but I don't want her to have a pointless degree mm-hmm. and a lot of student loans. Right. That's silly. So I have been the opposite of a feminist for a long time now, <laughs> pulling lots of women out of um, the uni- uh, university in our town. Mm-hmm. Being like, do you really want to do this? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to. And for so long, especially whenever I was graduating high school, it was just the automatic choice that you right. go to college. And I, I have a four-year bachelor degree, but I don't have student loans, praise God. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go on a scholarship. So this, the, all of this foundation really starts off really young. And so I think a lot of people are going to be like, but we're in too deep now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've right. already made these choices and we're in too deep. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to talk about your wants first because <clears throat> that is important. So you may say that you want or think that you need a new car. Maybe you genuinely need a new car. Okay, but is there a bigger want inside of you also, like to obey scripture? So I want a new car. I also want to obey God, and I want to stay home with my current or future children. So what of these two wants is bigger? Okay, well, I more want, of course, to obey the Lord. So that want should direct your smaller wants in your life. So when you're making decisions about a vehicle, you should have this deeper longing in mind. Is this going to affect my obedience to God, this decision that I'm making on this car or this car? Okay, so don't go buy a new car that you have to get in. Don't go get a car payment. Buy this car that's much cheaper, and you can save up and buy it. Mm -hmm. That will give you more financial freedom. Okay, okay, so now back to they're in too deep now. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these decisions were... 10 years ago when yeah. you went to college or when you bought the house or when you got the car payment, praying and asking God to help you, to help you to be obedient in the area of finances and to deliver you from the debt that you're in and to provide in really miraculous and wonderful ways and help you get you out of debt. And then to also start selling things, mm-hmm. <laughs> like start selling those things that have you saddled to debt. 
you don't have to keep that car. Like you can get a cheaper car. You don't have to keep that house, Mm -hmm. which is, I know those are very big and difficult decisions to make. Do you want to homeschool your children? Do you want to stay at home with your children? Get a cheaper house. Live in a different town. Let me just say this real quick. Okay. Jen Wilkins says, this is a privilege. And here you are, and you've got a mortgage, and the husband and wife are both working outside of the home. Already, there's been a decision made in that household that the wife is going to do that. And the question has to be, depending upon the stage of life, is your home the priority wife? Like, that's always the the, the number, primary, secondary. That's the way you think through work from inside the home to outside of the home. The work inside of the home is always the priority for the wife, and different ladies have different capacities to be able to make that a priority and still do things outside of the home. But then when your children are young and you've got this decision before you, what are you going to do? It should be an easy decision. If you have to and you're in so deep that you've got this mortgage that's you owe $260,000 still in the house and you can sell the house for $280,000, okay. Which seems like a lot for here, but I feel like a lot of our listeners are in other towns or like other cities throughout that, the United States. They're like, that sounds cheap. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's a, a lot here, definitely. Yeah, I mean, move that, to Southern Illinois, you'll feel rich. Right, but... <laughs> The point is, no matter what the house expense is, okay, make decisions that would seem extreme from other people. And even in your family, they might turn their head a little bit and think, what are you doing? Why are you moving you know? to a smaller house? Or, yeah, what, what are you doing this for? And the reason you're doing it is because it's an easy decision to make. Because you prioritize obeying the Lord. And maybe you're seeing that your priorities have been out of balance that have led this decision to be a, a bit a more difficult decision than it should be. But now you're seeing clearly, okay, I've got to take this seriously. And so the husband is telling his wife, honey... You've got to quit your job outside of the home. You've got to put that on the shelf, and you've got to make this a priority, and we're going to teach our children from home, and this obligation has been given to me, and I need you to do this and to be my helper here. And we're going to move into a smaller house and free up some room to, to where we can actually homeschool our children or send them to private school if you have to. Homeschool is going to be more accessible to more people, and I think is the more ideal and the greater ideal than even the private school option, the private private Christian school option. And if we look at just the scriptures, it seems to me the best that I can tell, the best option is homeschool. The second best option is private school. And then depending upon what state you're in, government schools aren't an option at all. I mean, like they're not even an option in Illinois. So you've got to make those decisions then. And it doesn't matter if you're in a difficult situation. Do what God's calling you to do because you're wanting to be obedient to him. Obedience to the Lord is non-optional for the Christian. We don't get the option whether or not to obey. We have to obey. We're, we're believers. Jesus is our king and we obey him. You got to make those calls as tough as they may be because that's what God calls you to do. Yeah. And so there, there are a lot of options for a woman who says, okay, well, we have lived in a way that now we're dependent on the second income. And that's not ideal. That's not biblical. The husband is called to be the provider, first of all. But if you're in that position and you do want to help out financially, but still be working from home and prioritizing home, there are women at our church that have found a way to have a job outside the home and still be prioritizing the home. And that is very rare. That's going to be the rare case. But there are jobs that you can have from home. So maybe start praying, God, please provide me with a job that I can work from home and not have to sacrifice this time with my children um, and devoting it to my home and my family. Yeah. So I, I think just not limiting God and thinking, oh, well, we've we've already got in this deep and we're already dependent on what I'm making. 
I can't sacrifice that right now. Um, yeah. Like, right. be working towards the ultimate goal of you being able to stay at home with your children. And maybe it's for a season. You have to, like, cut back in this area but still be making something. And since we've been married, I've worked about one day of the week outside the home. Less mm-hmm. less now. Now it's mm-hmm. not as much. Um, but I, like, independent contract work for visual merchandising for boutiques or all things creative yeah or like doing some um florals for people or um interior design work like decorating people's houses and then i do some seamstress stuff on the side if people need clothes altered but like i I knew i wanted to help a little bit but i also knew that god didn't create me to be working full-time outside the home it's just generally the truth of it, like I felt it in my soul. And then I also saw it in scripture that I felt like I was supposed to be working from home and supporting my family. And then when we had children, I wanted to be with them. So I think just expecting God to provide in really miraculous and beautiful ways and not settling for, well, this is just the way that it is. This is just what we've got ourselves into and we have to stay with it. And if you're in a situation right now, where you feel like you don't have any options and government school is the only option for you, then there's something you need to repent of most likely. Meaning, if you look back in your life, you've probably had sinful priorities that you need to repent of. Why are you in the situation that you're in? The corner then that needs to be turned is one of repentance. You have been walking this way with your priorities being whatever they've been that have gotten you into the mess. Now, make your priorities godly and right. And then as you walk in that obedience, God's going to help you and lead you in that. And then it, it may be quicker than you realize that you think, oh my goodness, we, we do have these options and we can make these decisions. And all of a sudden you realize that you've been spending, you know, $400 a month on coffee and going out to eat for lunch. <laughs> and and then Whoa. for the daycare, you've been, exp- you know, spending $2,500 a month on daycare or something. And all of a sudden you realize, my goodness, all this extra money that's been built in yeah. I'm the re, my priorities are all out of line, and so really, what needs to happen if you're in a place where you feel like you have no option for the schooling of your children, it's because of sinful priorities, and that's something that wasn't talked about at all in that good faith debate or discussion on the Gospel Coalition. There are many things that need to be repented of when it comes to this decision. If if you feel like your back is against the wall and you have to send your kids to the government, then something needs to be repented right. of. Right. Okay, so you're praying, you're asking, and trusting the Lord to provide, you're selling stuff, and praying for more wisdom. And then I also want to talk about seeking wise counsel. If you see families around you who are doing this, and you're like, he that, that dad's just like a teacher or something. Like, they're a one-income family, and he's just a high school teacher or something. They're not making a load of money. How are they doing this? And they have four kids and they drive a vehicle that's not a beater and they live in a normal house. Like, how are they managing? Go and ask them and seek godly counsel. This is what the Bible tells us to do, to ask for godly counsel. Go and talk to that talk to that wife. Talk to that husband. Say, can we have dinner with you guys and you just give us some financial advice? Like, tell us some things that you guys have done to be successful in this area so that she can stay home, so that you guys are living in what seems like financial freedom, can you talk to us about that? The body of Christ is an amazing resource, and we should take advantage of this in our humility to go to people and say, please help me, give me wise counsel. Or go to your elders. Do you have trustworthy elders? Go to them and say, can you connect me with a family that might give me advice? Or can you give me advice? Will you pray for us about this? Also, just to throw in there, we have friends, Scott and Kelly, that are always talking about Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. That or old Larry Bucat. Larry Bucat was Dave Ramsey before Dave Ramsey. 
Something like that that gives you a handle on finances would be tremendously helpful. How many testimonies have we heard over the years of people who said, we made a plan, paid off our car, snowballed it, and paid our house off after mm-hmm. seven years? Yeah. Story after story, testimony after testimony. Again, it says once. Yeah. It's, it's it, the deeper once. Do you want... Delayed to, gratification. Yeah. Yeah. Delayed gratification. That's great. Do you want to go on the vacation this summer, or would you rather pay your house off sooner? So somebody said... You have to live like nobody else now so you can live like nobody else later. I think and that was uh, It probably was Ramsey. The, the whole thing is, I mean, please, we're just pleading with you here. If you see the priority of Christian education, it can be done. You're making excuses. Stop making excuses. Repent. Don't live self-indulgent life. And figure out creative ways through the wisdom that God has given you to make, make proper priorities in your home the way God would have you. God will give you wisdom in that. And the thing is, our children are only in the home for this block of time. So you don't get a do-over. You don't get to go back and be like, oh man, that really was a short amount of time. I should have just sacrificed for those 20 years. And then, you know, we could have had a second income after my kids were grown or when I had the margins to do that if you chose to do that when your kids were grown. And so just knowing that like time is fleeting and we don't get a do-over and this is the time that your kids are small and to make the right choices now. Well, in marriage, if God gives us however many years to be married, we got married early 20s. You were early 20s. I was mid-20s. I robbed the cradle <laughs> and I'm four years older than Jordan, four and a half. When we are in our 60s, 70s, 80s, we'll be grandparenting and all of that, Lord willing. The majority of our marriage, as we're looking back in our life, will be just you and I. Mm-hmm. A minority of our marriage will be when children are in the home. And when your children are young, it feels like this is how our life is going to be forever. <laughs> it's going to be the majority or the biggest portion of our life is when our children are at home, and it's just not. And you've got to have the foresight enough to be able to see yourself at 60 or 70, looking back and giving you counsel now. What would you counsel yourself with? Mm-hmm. What's the word of counsel you would give? And I would wager that there's never been a 60-year-old mom or a 70-year-old mom that was like, I wish I would have spent less time with my kids. Well, isn't that funny? (laughs) Because Jen Wilkins talking about how much time, how she wished wished that there was more time, that that's what she wanted more. But she, quote, unquote, called herself a full-time minister and then talked about how... That was me vomiting a little. Yeah. And talked about how when her children, they were able to prioritize their time together because they sent their kids to government schools. But then she talked about later on how... When they got home, they were doing homeschool in the room. And I talked about this in the episode that I mentioned as we started the recording here. How crazy is it that public schools are, and this happens a lot of times also with classical Christian education, they are dictating the household in the evenings and saying, this is what your evenings are going to now look like, and we are going to control your evenings. As a husband and wife, if I was going into my office after being off work and saying, honey, I'm, now I'm going to go work another two or three hours until the kids go to bed and and we might get an extra 30 or we might get 30 or 40 minutes together before we go to bed. We would like elders would correct that man. Yeah. Everyone would be like, why are you not spending time with your family? Why aren't you spending? And yet it's taking on too much work. And somehow this is normal with children is they get home from being at school all day and then their evenings are dictated because they've got homework. Homework is evil. Can we say that? <laughs> Can we say Jared that? Jared is very anti-homework. Like, come on. Are you kidding me? You're going to control the evenings of families all over this country? And that's what it is. It's government control, not just of, of children, but also households in the evenings. And you've got to be able to see that. Okay. So now let's talk about guiding our sons and daughters to be wise with their finances. 
because because, because we want to we want to give them the tools yeah. to not be in the situation when they're 23 years old and are 25 years old and their children are now five years old and they're making their decisions with schooling. Yep. We don't want them to feel like they don't have these options. Yeah. We want our children to feel like they have the freedom to be like, of course my wife is going to stay at home with our children. Right. Of course you don't need to work. Or, um, of course we're going to homeschool our kids or whatever they choose to do. We, we want them to have financial freedom to make those kind of decisions. And we also want them to have the financial freedom above that to be generous, mm-hmm. to be able to be helping those around them. Well, so, and and already ahead. our children and your children, as you're raising them up the way God would have you, they're learning what normal is. Mm-hmm. So they're normal is being shaped by our everyday life. What we want them to expect as they grow up, get married, is that we are raising our sons to be ready to start a household and to have a woman given to them. And we are raising our daughter to be given away to a man one day. And their normal is being shaped right now. And those expectations, if the if the normal is, is a biblical culture and if it's godly, then we're setting them up to want that, Lord willing, as they grow older, that's what they're going to want. Of course, Ransom and Valor are thinking, I'm going to be the primary breadwinner in the family. I'm going to work hard and I want my wife to be able to stay home and to have the freedoms to obey Titus chapter 2 and make the home a priority. And it's not going to be difficult for her to do that. And I want the education of our children to be around our home. So we're shaping normal and so are you. Yeah. So we want our generations to be free from financial bondage and free from slavery to any master other than Jesus. I tweeted, or not tweeted, I don't want Twitter posted this on Instagram a while back and shared a post that Eric Kahn had posted and then my friend Paige, who's been on the podcast before, Paige had like put a little, her little thoughts on it and then I reposted it and put some thoughts also just about um, that the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And you know what that means? That the borrower is a slave to the lender. It really means that. Right. And I think that Christians are just like totally fine with debt. And I... I can't get past that verse. I'm like, but it says the borrower is a slave to the lender and I don't want to be enslaved to anything. I don't want to be enslaved to anything other than Jesus. So I want to have financial freedom. I want my children to have financial freedom. So we want to set them up for that. We want them to be faithful and to save their money now to set them up for success later. So um, that's how God has graciously provided for our family. The generations before our family have done this and were able to set us up for success at a really critical point in our early life. They were able to um, help us with small things that have led us down a path of success. Um, so for instance, something that my dad did for me and my brother and his dad did before him for him and his brother and sister is whenever it was time to buy a first vehicle. So we've already talked to our kids about this, like when they get money for anything, like their birthdays or if they work, because sometimes they'll like work for their grandpa or something, picking up sticks or doing random jobs. So we will always talk to them like, okay, this is what you do when you get money. You save, you, you tithe 10%. We teach them to give to the Lord 10%. And then what's left over, you save half of it. You pretend like you don't even have that. You save it. And then the other half, you can do with what you want, but you shouldn't just do anything that you want with it. You should have a goal in mind and save up for that goal. And so they have this, you know, whatever percentage that is, a tenth, you know, taking the tenth out and then the half of the half, half of the rest there. Okay, so they have this portion of the five dollars that they got, you know, and we're training them. Like, does it really matter that yeah, I could have just gave them the five dollars? Like, does it really matter? But this is training them 
and hopefully training them in self-control and delayed gratification and having a goal and knowing how to be wise with their money and knowing that we don't just go and get what we want whenever we want. Like, you should have a good goal in mind. Don't just throw it away on a trinket. Get something cool. Do you really want that trinket or would you rather have a Lego set that is more expensive but we should save up for it, you know, just having having principles and tools in their tool belt. So anyways, my dad did this with us and uh, trained us about money. And then whenever it was time to buy our first car, you know, he, he was talking to us about this for years ahead of time. And we're, out, we're already talking to our sons about like, you'll, you'll want a vehicle one day. So you should probably be saving up for a vehicle. Our, our boys are eight and five <laughs> and they're already saving up for a vehicle one day. They've got quite a bit of money already. They are saving up. So we're like, you should save up for a vehicle. That you'd put, you'll probably want a vehicle more than you would want that Lego set even. So it's those wants. Like, what do you want more? Do you want a vehicle one day or do you want a Lego set now? It's okay to get the Lego set now. It's not a problem. Just as long as you have an eye about the car that you're going to need one day too. Whenever we turn 15 or so, we would be looking at all the used vehicles. Uh, in that day, you would get a trader. Do you mm-hmm. remember ever getting a trader in the newspaper? Yeah. And we would look at the vehicles, you know, and my dad was pretty handy, so he could he could help us fix something up. So he uh, he did a lot of the, the calls and research on the cars and stuff. He was very involved in that. But then when it was time to buy the vehicle, he paid half, and then I had to pay half of what I had saved up. And that taught me, you know, like I have I have a responsibility in this. This wasn't just given to me. I worked really hard for this. But then because of that, I have never had a car payment in my entire life because then he also taught me that um, you take really good care of this vehicle and you're a good steward of what God has been given you. And this vehicle, hopefully, Lord willing, is in better shape when you sell it than it is right now. That you improve on it. That you make it more reliable. That you make it look nicer. That you do a good job with it and you keep it clean and you keep it um, in good shape so that in a matter of years, you're saving up this entire time that you have that vehicle. Now that you have the vehicle, you don't just stop saving. You're still saving because one day you'll need a new vehicle. And when it's time to get that new vehicle, you have this little chunk of change that you saved up and then you sell that still reliable vehicle that still is in good shape. And you take that money and you step up a little bit with a little bit nicer car maybe. But so you that, never just go and get in debt for a vehicle. But you are patient, you're prayerful, and you're being a good steward of what you've been given so that you don't ever have to be a slave to a car payment. So the way this has worked is we've always, we've never made a ton of money, but we've always been able to buy vehicles cash. We're always putting back, and we know that there's going to be, down the road, a new vehicle that we're going to need. And so God's always helped us with that, and we've always been able to buy with cash. But one key thing that you've got to keep in mind and hopefully you're already doing, is that we have to help our children and we've got to be in control of their finances. They are not wise enough at this point to be able to make the best decisions. They would just go out and spend everything. And one of the things, you know, my parents, I love them dearly and they did a lot of things really well with raising us. But one of the things that I'm going to try to do differently is help Ransom and Valor and Providence and any other children that God may give us with any of the money that they make to be able to manage that well. And as soon as they have regular income, we're going to start an IRA, a Roth IRA for them. We're going to set these things up. So already they have their bank accounts. Already we're in control of their money where they're not just spending their money. It's not just in their bedroom. They've got that savings that's building up and it's also in an investment account. 
where they're getting return on their investment. And so there's a level of control there. What I don't want is for our children to get to 16, 18 years old and all the money that they've made, they have nothing to account. They have nothing to show for it. And that's what happened with me. I had, when I was a teenager, at one point, 14 yards that I was mowing in the summertime. And in one summer, I probably made twelve to $15,000 and ended up having nothing to show for it because I spent it on movies, <laughs> Cool Mint Drops, Dr. <laughs> Pepper, Clothing from PacSun and Hollister. Yeah. And just stupid stuff. Yeah, because folly is in our hearts. It is. Like, and, folly is in our hearts, and it must be driven out. And what I needed was strict control yeah. and somebody to say, no, yeah. you can't do that's this. Not you how are you, not allowed to do that's this. That's not how you manage money. This is exactly. how you manage money. Let me help you. Exactly. And and there will be a day that we're like, okay, you're a man now. You have the tools and the principles, and you are now, like, go do it. And there'll be a day that they're completely free to do that. But when they're a teenager is not that time. Yeah. Um, that is the very critical time to be having having a heavy hand in their raising and in their training. Yeah. And obviously, depending upon from child to child, yeah. there's going to be yeah, a different course. level of maturity. There's yeah. going to be a different level of readiness to be able to take the reins of that kind of thing. So but measure that. A 16-year-old is not a person that needs to be saddled with a car payment. Exactly. Like, that if is your, not... If your child comes and says, hey, Dad, I want this car and I want to go out and get a loan, will you co-sign for me? You, Your response Don't. is, absolutely Don't not. Don't enslave them. We will not do that. And over my dead body, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and on and on it goes. Like, this can be applicable to anything. Like, the they're out in their first home one day, and they're like, ah, my fridge broke, which happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, we are in a healthy enough financial state, and um, and then when they're adults, they are in a healthy enough financial state that they can be like, I'll pay half, baby. Let's go yeah. get one from the dent and ding man. Yep, that's right. Because <laughs> we have a dent and ding man for right. all our appliances. When you have... Many children and your wife is staying at home. What ends up happening is your appliances break over and over yes. and over again. People, it just all my We're listeners. Gonna, we need to do an episode on appliances breaking. Um, I just need to take a poll because I feel like all of you are probably staying at home with your kids and have a bunch of kids and you're washing clothes and using your dishwasher and your oven a lot. Do your appliances break all the time too? I'm like, at this point, I'm like, what am I doing wrong? It's just, <laughs> I think it's just overuse. Yeah. But anyways... That is a rabbit trail. So, be saving now for your children and your children's children. What do you want? Do you want more stuff? Like, do you really want that thing that you can't really afford? Or is there a bigger want that you can set your eyes on? Is it financial freedom? Is it a debt-free life? Is it your children's children being able to come to you and say, Grandma, can you help us buy a fridge? We need help. We don't want to go put this on a credit card. Can you help us out? And you will be like, absolutely, baby, let's go. So I think just setting your eyes and your sights on the deeper longings of your heart more than the fleeting things that could be accumulated in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm. there's a million things I could say right now, like not yeah. enabling children to make bad choices and blah, blah, blah. We want them to work. We want them to be really hard workers, to be diligent and... We're all called to work hard, but we can help them in early starting off years of life to start off on the right foot. Yeah, can. Towards financial freedom. So anyways, if you guys have questions about this, if we have overstated or understated anything, please let us know. Yeah, we are not Dave Ramsey, but God has graciously provided for us in amazing ways. Um, 
we have family members that are really great at finances and have mm-hmm. taught us a lot. And um, we have Going some to tools in our tool belt at this point in life that um, we would be happy to share. So if you have questions or um, if you want to have prayer about this topic, please reach out and I am more than happy to talk to you or we could even set up a Zoom call. So anyway. Thanks for listening. Well, hold oh, on. Oh, you, I you ended abruptly. Sorry, I sorry. Else. I had a visitor come in and give me a coloring sheet. That's beautiful. Thank you. Long story short, from the beginning, since we've been married, we've been married 14 years, and there's been years that we made a combined income less than $30,000, and Jordan has always stayed home. Anytime that she's worked outside of the home, when we first got married, you worked outside of the home for a little bit. Was it four or five days a week at the newspaper? Three, three days a week. Three days a week, and you were hating it, yes. and I was like, well, quit. What? Yes. I mean, okay, quit. that is a great testimony because that was our very first year of marriage. And I had just graduated college and I was like, I should probably use my degree. So I was working three days a week. Hold on, a baby came in. I was okay. working three days a week at a newspaper doing advertising and, yeah, hating it because I just felt a pull. I felt the pull to be home. And at this point, I really think that that was God. Um, but... You were so awesome because we were not making hardly any money at that point. Mm-hmm. But um, you were like, quit, stay home. I'm well, like, I knew from okay. the beginning, and we had structured things from the beginning to where I wanted my wife to be at home and I wanted us to homeschool. And that's what I was aiming for. And so, as Jordan's working there, we just had those priorities in place early on to where we weren't depending upon it. And it was just easy to say, just come home, babe. And she did. Yep, sorry. Okay, some really cute little distractions came in. Can you say thank you for listening? Thank you for listening. All right, until next time, everybody. Hey, everyone. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast and continuing to come back. You guys have certainly been an encouragement to us, and we hope we've been an encouragement to you as well. We want to continue this work, and we need your help to do that. If you'd head over to the Fruitful and Fearless website, it's just fruitfulandfearless.com. You can find memberships there that are different tiers that contain different benefits to you as well. If you want to just support us for the heck of it because you're enjoying the show, that's always a blessing as well. But we try to make it even more worth it for you with recipes, groups for homeschooling and cooking, baking, natural health. We try to put as many resources on there as we can. But thank you for your support. It greatly helps our family.